0: Good evening, and welcome to Jolton Church of the Nazarene. Let's try this again, and I know the microphone just probably made some terrible noises, so thank you for looking past that. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and thank you for joining me tonight. We're gonna be talking a little bit more about the Babylonian exile. This great and terrible doomsday event which took the people of God away from their place of comfort, away from the traditions and everything that they knew, and took them to a faraway place where they had to figure out how to make those traditions, the things that they had known that had been given to them by God, make them all work in a whole new world and in a whole new era. So let's open up in prayer, and then we'll get into our lesson, and we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah tonight with Jeremiah the prophet. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together. Lord, I ask that you bless each and every one of us, whether we be in our homes, in our our cars, in our... Well, outside in the outdoor sanctuary, Lord, wherever we may be, I pray that you bless us. Lord, I know that it's so easy to be discouraged and angry in this moment, but Lord, I pray that you make each and every one of us a blessing so that we can be a blessing to others. Be with every one of us, and we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So tonight, we're going to be picking up in our study of the book of Daniel, but really the larger theme of the Babylonian exile. And I realize that in the world right now, it's very easy for us to be discouraged. It's easy for people to get angry. I know in my own personal life, there's the great temptation to be frustrated with the world and kind of want to lash out. But God wants us to have joy. And even in the midst of great crisis moments where the whole world is uncertain, God still wants to bless us. Really, the only scripture I'm going to reference tonight from the book of Daniel is that verse there in Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel is given favor in the sight of Ashpenaz, King Nebuchadnezzar's chief official. So tonight, as we get to our text, we're actually going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah and the story of the good and the bad fig. And now, this is a story which is very much like a parable. It's a word of the Lord which gets revealed to the prophet Jeremiah, and then he shares with us today that reminds us that God's justice comes to people and God views people differently than they like to view themselves. We in the world around us, we have the language of essential and non-essential being thrown around. And I think it's one of the most diabolical things we have going on currently. I think the demons in hell and the devil himself laughs when he sees People on this earth want to call others essential and non-essential because, again, anyone who's lost a job in this, they know that it is much more essential than those whom have authority and power might think. But tonight we're going to be looking at the story in Jeremiah 25 of the two figs. So we're going to go ahead and read that real quick, and then we'll talk about it and see how it relates to us today and how it puts us on the spot to make decisions. So Jeremiah 24. The Lord showed me two baskets of figs placed before the temple of the Lord. This was after King Nebuchadnezzar. And we've got actually a card with King Nebuchadnezzar on it right here. So we can see what he looks like. Here we go. Here's King Nebuchadnezzar II. This is the guy who really took all of the people of God away as captives to Babylon. But picking back up in our our text, this was after King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had taken into exile from Jerusalem, Jing... King Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim of Judah, together with the officials of Judah, the artisans, the smiths, and had brought them to Babylon. So in one verse, you get a great calamity. This guy here in Nebuchadnezzar, he comes and carries people away. Verse 2. One basket had very good figs, like first ripe figs, and the other basket had very bad figs, and so bad they could not be eaten. Taking a pause from our text, there in verse 2, you get this image, that Again, it's the opening of this chapter. The Lord is showing the prophet Jeremiah two baskets, and this all takes place in the context of, this king here has carried people away. Now, I would like to point out that this king is not the one who brought about the first calamity that really shook the way of life. Um, That would go to Pharaoh Necho II of Egypt. Pharaoh Necho II, you probably haven't heard a lot about him, because again, he's, he's forgotten because there was a bigger threat that come along. But King, or Pharaoh, Necho II, he's the one who actually killed King Josiah. This is a pretty serious dude. Pretty bad things going on. In um, the name of Egypt, will come back up here in a second. But in the context of all this doomsday and calamity, a vision comes to Jeremiah of two baskets. And they each had figs in them. One of them has good figs that are great. And the other one has bad figs that are so bad they cannot even be eaten. And in verse three, and then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I replied, figs. The good figs are very good. and The bad figs, very bad. So bad they cannot be eaten. And then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I will regard the good, the exiles from Judah. Whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them. I will grant to them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. So that's the image of the good figs there, and our fire is starting to die out, but that's okay those who are good figs, they're going to be brought back to the land that they are really supposed to be in. But in verse 8, thus says the Lord, like the bad figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten, so I will treat King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, and the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land. And for those who live in the land of Egypt, tying back to Necho II, though history, there's a lot of conquering that go on and time and time again, by the time this is written, Um, Necho II, he's really not in the picture anymore like he was, but this is the guy that got Jerusalem back involved with Egypt in a way that would really set things up for destruction. Um, We'll just call it chaos. Um, There is such a thing as providence where when we follow the choices that God has laid out for us and when we choose to live as creatures made in his image, not as creatures of sin, good things start to happen. That providence takes us to a place of joy and blessing But when we choose the sin nature, we start to find that chaos takes over, and chaos takes us more and more to different places where suffering and miserable things happen to us. Those who live in the land of Egypt, I will make them a horror, an evil, a thing to which all the kingdoms of the earth will know as a disgrace. There will be a byword, a taunt, and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. And I will send them sword, famine, and pestilence upon them, and until they are utterly destroyed from the land that I gave to them from their ancestors. Now, again, this is the bad figs. And the reason why I want us to talk about the good figs and the bad figs today is because each and every one of us has a choice. We don't have control over the circumstances of the world around us but we do have control over who we're going to be. God wants us to be the men and women who rise up. You know, there in that verse in Daniel I referenced earlier, God blessed and gave favor to Daniel in the midst of a great catastrophe. Daniel's not living in his homeland of his ancestors. He's been carried away. He's being forced to live in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. And he doesn't have a lot of things in life that are under his control. However, his character and the fact that he's a man of God is something which is under his control. And we as men and women created in the image of God, we must choose to live as men and women who are not just created in God's image, but we have turned our hearts and minds over to God. We have turned our lives over to Christ so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds and not just conform to the world around us. And that's where we find ourselves today. For those who know me, I've talked a lot about the the coronavirus, as many of us have. It basically is omnipresent in the world, but it is not God. It is not omnipresent over history, and it will not be omnipresent even over our lives if we are careful. If we are careful and we navigate the straight, narrow pathway, and we look to God, we'll find that there is beauty to be found even in the midst of such chaos, and that each and every one of us, we still have choices to make about who we will be. So back to this whole deal with the two figs, because when we look at that, that's not just in Scripture because it's an image which comes to Jeremiah, but it also is something which reminds us about our past and where we're going in the future. It causes us to take a break and look at time and say, okay, those in the past, those who made the choices which lined up with chaos, they went further and further towards chaos. Those who acted upon the good things which God had given them, they took the path of providence where they went towards things which were good. And on that note, let's take a moment to talk about providence. It's a big word. You hear it in churches every now and then. Uh, For those who know me, my favorite fictional author is Jules Verne. I love books like Around the World in 80 Days, The Fur Country, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Journey to the Center of the Earth. I love these books. Um, But Jules Verne, he writes about providence quite a bit. And some might take the concept of providence and say, well, you know, God blesses those who who bless themselves or something like that. But really, Providence is this deep concept, which we can all understand, but it's this idea that God, he created us in his image. And as the generations unfolded, God has given each and every one of us unique gifts, unique graces. And God knows that our lives, they are different from one another. And we have different interests. We have different tastes, different things that we like. And while those things may happen to us naturally or without our control, God realizes that not every one of those things is of divine origin because we were also born as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve who have inherited sin, which means some of the things that we are naturally tempted to do or even circumstantially tempted to do, those things are not always of God. And we have a choice to make whether we want to be the good fig or the bad fig. And when we, in life, we make choices that line up with the divine calling that is placed on each of our lives. Again, sometimes the chaotic things and sinful things, they're naturally desirable. In fact, sin is always naturally desirable, but we each have different sins. We have our different proclivities, our different things that we like. But whenever we make the choice to follow the things which are of God, that are of the righteous calling that we all have, an order starts to be set up in our lives and in the world around us where we are moving towards righteousness. And when we make those righteous decisions, God is putting us on the path of providence to be blessed there in the future. Um, And it may not be something we always see here in this life, and nowhere in Scripture do we have a promise that it will be fun or easy, because a lot of times the world lashes out against those who are righteous, and it makes us um, suffer quite a bit as people. But whenever we find that we are living with God, we'll find a deeper meaning than just living for the fear avoidance or pain avoidance that the world tells us is good. So I want us to shift gears a little bit and talk about the coronavirus right now and how this ties into the Babylonian exile. The Babylonian exile really is this doomsday calamity. And if you are questioning why, I would call it a doomsday event. We talk about Armageddon and things like that. Well, King Josiah, he dies in the battle of Megiddo, which is where we get the word Armageddon. Megiddo, Megiddo, they're the same word over time and through different languages. Um, Pharaoh Necho II, He is the guy who kills uh, the king of the people of God there in the Battle of Megiddo, the Battle of Armageddon, as you might say. And their way of life never, ever returns to the state it was before. They spend like 600 years as captives of different nations after this. So it's a big deal. Um, Most of us don't know who Pharaoh Necho II is. Most of us may have heard the name Nebuchadnezzar because he's the bigger tyrant who shows up and he takes them all away as captives. But when we look at the world around us, we know that there's always someone like Nebuchadnezzar who will take advantage of an already bad situation. And so my perspective on the coronavirus in our world right now is essentially that it is an alligator that has come into our yards. Now having an alligator in your yard is not a good thing. It's a very bad thing. If you can imagine such a vicious, powerful apex predator crawl up into your yard, we're here in Tennessee, it's already weird enough when we have armadillos but if an alligator rolls up in your yard, it's something you need to pay attention to. And right now, in the world right now, we have an alligator in the yard that is essentially the coronavirus. But the thing that worries me is when I look out into the yard, and if you, you have the, the biblical lens, um, and you're skeptical about the world, you're not just being conformed to it, but you're being transformed by the renewing of our mind, there's a lot of people, myself included, but many others, Um, Some who are probably more observant than than I am and more intuitive. But as we look out into the yard, we see that there is not just one alligator out there. You know, when Pharaoh Necho II, you think of like crocodiles there in the Nile, um, similar to an alligator, of course. Uh, When Pharaoh Necho II comes up into the land of of the people of God there in Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah, Pharaoh Necho is like a crocodile, an alligator coming up into your yard. But the thing is, is he wasn't the only one. And what worries me right now with the coronavirus is a lot of the people who are giving us information, there are a lot of the people like the bad figs in that story who thought themselves important. They thought that they were the mighty ones. They were the experts. And in truth, they're not motivated by things of God. And it's clear that they're not interested even in life itself because there are so many other areas in life in our culture where they're not concerned with persevering and saving lives. They're not motivated with being righteous and stopping nonsensical death and killing of children of that thing. And it makes us very skeptical because right now we have a situation where there's an alligator in our yard, but the voice that is telling us to pay attention to only that gator is also an alligator, or maybe it's a crocodile. And in fact, if we go and look at our yard, we see that there's not just one or two, but there's like four or five alligators out there in the yard coming trying to bring chaos in each and every one of our lives. You see people who are trying to really under just undermine the, the liberties and things we have here in America, and... They're not just doing it in the name of safety. They're doing a lot of things that make no sense, like arresting a mother when she takes her children to a playground when there's no one else there, or a dad playing t-ball with his daughter, things like that. That doesn't add up. That's an alligator in the yard that we actually need to recognize, because oftentimes it's the second alligator that shows up on the the scene that's a lot worse than the first. Um, That being said, you can't ignore either one of them. You've got to be wise and prudent through all of this stuff. And the only way you can really do that is if you have the biblical lens telling you what is righteous. Sunday in the message I delivered about Daniel, Daniel has no control over being in Babylon. He has no control over um, being a servant, basically a slave to to Nebuchadnezzar. He has no control over that, but he does have control over what is going to defile him and how he's going to live his life. And Daniel knows where to draw the line and say, nope, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not my God. I'm not bowing down in that way. I'm not going to be defiled. I'm not going to let you tell me how to live my life. I'm going to look to the wisdom of God. I'm going to be prudent. In each and every one of us, God wants us to have joy and He wants to give us favor in a world of chaos. And so I want us to examine our lives today and wonder how can we make sure we are the good fruit, not the, the bad figs which cannot be eaten. So, we're going to close by saying the Lord's Prayer, and I just want you to ponder the different things we've talked about today. How do we make sure we're being wise about all the alligators in the yard, not just one? So let's close in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for joining me. I'm J. Dylan Proctor and we're outside. God love you, and have a blessed day.